May the peace and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be multiplied unto you and your household. As usual, my name is Solomon Padite, and I welcome you to Beyond Religion, where we probe the God life in all aspects of human life. I will excuse myself for some seconds. When I return, we jump right into the subject matter. There's no time to waste. Hi, my name is Mamifwa. I listen to Beyond Religion for my weekly dose of inspiration and biblical knowledge. Okay, once again, you're welcome to Beyond Religion. In this season of Beyond Religion, we are probing the relevance of theology as an academic discipline to the performance of the church's functions. If you're just joining the Beyond Religion podcast, you might want to listen to the previous episodes for this season in order to have a firm understanding of what we are discussing. This episode will end today. Okay, we end the first episode today. Um, last week, we discussed the functions of the church. We looked at the four major functions of the church, which we identified to be discipleship, evangelism, fellowship, and ministry. Once we have successfully identified these primary functions of the church, we cannot proceed to the meat of the subject matter. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. Without further ado. When it comes to the relationship between theology as an academic discipline and the functions of the church, there are two popular extreme views. It will surprise you to know that you either hold one of these views or both in varying degrees. The first extreme view is referred to as Christian anti-intellectualism or Christian anti-intellectualism. Now, based on the kind of English you're speaking. Proponents of this view are said that one does not need to study theology or employ his intellectual faculty to be effective in ministry. They maintain that all one needs is the Holy Spirit. They are mostly hostile to intellectual reasoning and find it contradictory to faith. You would have probably encountered such kind in your church, especially if it is a Pentecostal or charismatic church where emphasis is placed on the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Spirit. Um, let me put it in this way. We call it the life in the Spirit. Okay, Emphasis is placed on life in the Spirit. However, there seems to be an awakening and some Pentecostal charismatic churches are beginning to work towards a balance. But note, balance here does not mean 50-50. It means a necessary equal measure. Okay, An equal measure that is necessary to faith. The second extreme view is intellectualism. The term is not directly related to Christianity, but I am borrowing it. I'm borrowing it and applying it to the discussion in context. Okay, intellectualism is the view that the faculty of the intellect is superior to the faculty of emotions. Proponents of this view have said that knowledge is wholly or mainly derived from pure reason or rationalism. To them, faith can be wholly understood and expressed intellectually. In the context of Christianity, proponents of what I term Christian intellectualism try to establish a balance between a dependence on the Holy Spirit and intellectualism, but they almost always place their intellectual faculty ahead of religious faith. You are likely to come across such kind if you attend an orthodox or classical church. They study and are mostly pragmatic, 
while the Pentecostals and Charismatics are mostly spirit-driven. What intellectualism in this context refers to as emotions. These two extreme views form the foundation for the divorce between theology as an academic discipline and the church as a religious institution. While one leans towards a total dependence on the Holy Spirit to the extreme blind faith, the other also leans towards rationality and to the extreme and neglect of the Holy Spirit. Both views seem to have a flawed understanding of the relationship between faith and reason. And this tension has caused more harm to the church in the past years and presently. Today, you can clearly see the consequences of an imbalance between spirituality and the intellectual reasoning in our churches. A charismatic friend once said, When you go to the Orthodox Church, the service structure is a routine of recitations and religious rituals that have no power in them. I don't feel the Holy Spirit when I visit the Orthodox Church. One minute you are asked to stand and sing Amen. Yeah, I know my voice is not that good. To some recitations. The next moment you are standing again for something else. There is no anointing there. There is no manifestation of power. When I heard this, I, I laughed. I laughed. Most of the time, we, we tend to feel or think that Christianity should, the practice of Christianity or the mode of our worship, the way we worship God, should be monotonous or it should be monotony to everybody. We should all worship God the same way. We should pray the same way with such aggressiveness like the Pentecostals do it. We should all do it, you know. So I laughed. The, the, he, he is clearly speaking from the lens of his charismatic background. He is a charismatic. He has a certain understanding of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit should work. If you put an Orthodox Christian, sorry, in a Pentecostal or charismatic church, he or she will also criticize the service structure and the church. Beyond this, take a cursory look at the Christian religious environment in Africa and the world, especially within the charismatic churches. Churches are springing up almost on a daily basis with doctrines that have no biblical coherency. Our national human resource is threatened with religious dogma that promotes spiritual opportunism. Church members in some charismatic churches are at the mercy of unlearned and uninspired men who take advantage of religious faith to manipulate these innocent and mostly gullible people. These and many other problems form the consequences of the divorce between theology as an academic discipline and the church as a religious and social institution. I intend for this episode to be based on solutions, since the problems are obvious to all. The rest of this podcast will remain um, faithful to mention some key ways that theology as an academic discipline can help the church fulfill its primary functions. Sorry. The first consideration is that theology can help the Christian to have a coherent and accurate understanding of God. The right knowledge of God is the foremost foundation to true worship. A flawed understanding of God's person, his nature, his will, and his ways means that worship will be offered in false knowledge and therefore will be void of truth. Once worship of God is limited by his revelation or knowledge of God, how do you understand God? Or how do you worship a God, sorry, you do not know? Unfortunately, that's the current state of our Christian religious practice. To a great degree, 
Our worship of God is without true knowledge of God. Various world religions have differing views about who God is. In some religions, the concept of the divine is read of personal attributes. That is to say, they see God as a force. Some also see him as matter, ultimate matter. And some also see him as the ultimate mind or ultimate reality. Others refer to him as the universe. Even within Christianity, there exist varying views about God's nature and person, especially centered on the concept of the almighty trinity. <laughs> some Christians do not understand or even accept the trinity. Some think Jesus and the Holy Spirit are created beings. They do not understand the relationship between the persons in the trinity. Some also believe that God consists of only the Father and the Word, who is now called Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit they believe or they believe to be created or they do not regard him as God. Others also believe that Jesus Christ is inferior to the Father. These things are real. Ask some people in your church. I mean, obviously, people who have been Christians for like 10 to 20 years, what their views are about the nature of God, you are going to be amazed at the answers you get. If you are a pastor, you can extend this into a survey and find out how many of your members or how your members perceive God's person and nature. People are confused in the church. They are ignorant of these foundational truths necessary for the right practice of faith. They don't understand it. Many Christians do not understand the personal God. I have heard without number this popular saying that God will become to you whatever you want him to be to you. If you see God as a provider, he will become your provider. If you see him as a protector, he will be your protector. If you see him as a father, he will be your father and so on. This religious philosophy is flawed and void of the biblical understanding of God. God is who he is. He said, I am who I am. Okay. He has revealed his nature and person in part to us through scripture. Now it is our duty to study these revelations in scripture and come to the right understanding of his being. Theology can help us achieve this. If we leave the understanding of God's revealed person and nature to personal revelations, we are going to create generational problems. We need to operate the church as an institution of discipleship, an educational institution that teaches the person, nature, will, and ways of God without denominational dogma and bias. This must be a priority if we do not wish for our children to be infested with strange ideas about God that will affect their entire being and life. You live according to your understanding of things. And the knowledge of God is foundational to understanding. Consider Christ's question to his disciples, who do men say I am? And consider the answers they gave. Observe how Christ had to defend himself and his divinity through words such as, I and my father are one, when he was referring to the Jews. These things must be studied for proper understanding to aid true worship. Moving on to my second consideration, which is theology can aid in the teaching and comprehension of sound doctrine. I took 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 13 as my scriptural reference, so you can read it for a better understanding of this point. Now, according to Dr. John Jefferson Davis, he's a chair of the Division of Christian Thought and Professor of Systematic Theology and Christian Ethics at Garden Conwell Theological Seminary. He said, knowledge of sound doctrine 
aids in preaching and teaching not only by the avoidance of heresy, but also by enabling the preacher to place a particular text in the larger context of redemptive history. And by redemptive history, it means creation, okay? Then the fall, then the redemption, and then the new creation. I don't need to point fingers. You know, and you have seen in many churches, how the word of God is preached and taught. Many preachers today read their own meanings, what is mostly referred to as revelations, into the scriptures. Their sermons are mostly topical and full of presuppositions and bias, void of biblical truth and exegetical principles. The consequences of such great levels of exegesis is obvious. Good religious practice and effective Christian living is based on sound doctrine, not personal revelations. But unfortunately, we live in a time where false teachings abound, as prophesied in the Bible. Some of these false teachings are coming from evil and wicked men who are driven by greed to manipulate people of faith for their selfish gains. Many of these false teachings are also coming from well-meaning and zealous Christian members or Christian ministers who are anti or anti-intellectuals. For this reason, it is important that a remnant who remains faithful to God, prioritize the teaching of sound doctrine for religious practice and Christian living in all aspects of human life. This is impossible without theology. Since the conception or inception of organized Christianity, theology has played a foundational role in providing a systematic whole for sound doctrine. Like I said in the first introductory episode, most of our doctrines today, especially within Catholic Protestant, Pentecostal, and Charismatic denominations are from theological works done by the early church fathers and reformers. Okay, early church fathers like Thomas Aquinas, Augustine, Tertullian, they contributed heavily to our doctrines now. And reformers like uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin, they also contributed heavily. Many of the things in the Bible, especially the New Testament, they are very difficult to understand. To understand them, we must study and not just work in personal revelations and presuppositions. At this point, I am sure you are asking, so what at all is theology? Let me, let, me, let me answer you simply. Simply put, theology is the systematic study of God and all that concerns God. Okay, By extension, theology is the study of all of life because God created all of life. Theology permits various fields of study like the sciences, philosophy, social science, governance, law, and etc. Marrying theology with the functions of the church will ensure the teaching of sound doctrine, especially within the charismatic churches or denominations. Now, the third consideration is that theology has the task of defending the Christian faith, what we mostly refer to as apologetics and sometimes um, polemics, Christian polemics. The Christian faith has gone through diverse seasons of persecution. The early apostles were crucified. Some were burned and some were fried because of the gospel. Now, Christianity is still suffering persecutions today as accurately prophesied by Jesus Christ. When critics and anti-God advocates talk about religion, they are mostly or most of the time referring to Christianity. Atheism, since its inception, has sought to prove the non-existence of God. In fact, the entire philosophical structure 
upon which atheism is built represents a hostility towards a god that is understood within its ideological structure as a mirage and an illusion in simple plain language what i'm saying is that atheism fights against a god they already affirm to be non-existent that is the ambiguity of atheism but how well is a christian the average christian prepared to defend his religion when people who are anti-god who have anti-god theories or who do not believe in god approach with questions of rationality now um, um let, let, let me say let me say this internally the christian is also faced daily with strange doctrinal ideas so it is not only the external threats but they are internal threats too heterodox religions or religious movements okay such as the um, jehovah's witness or mormons they present doctrinal teachings that are in many ways different from what is universally accepted among christian denominations all right today the christian contends not only with the external threats like atheism but also stands against internal philosophical ideas that have no biblical coherency i don't find the external threats of atheism to be as dangerous as the internal threat of doctrinal confusion i am concerned okay about how the average christian will fare against the learned atheist but what i'm more concerned about is how the average christian will fare against false teachings okay false christian teachings let me say that false christian teachings how is average christian going to fare against that because those are mostly difficult to discern in first timothy the fourth chapter verses 16 paul admonishes timothy to keep a close watch on himself and on the teaching he said persist in this for by so doing listen you will save both yourself and your hearers hallelujah now peter also admonished in first peter 3 verse 15 he said that the believer should always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asked for a reason for the hope that is in him or her he continues to advise that the defense should be executed with gentleness and respect unfortunately for many churches there's this culture of silence and the lack of a bearing spirit that searches the word for truth accountability or the principle of accountability is not something that is promoted within many of our churches now many church leaders have innocently and sometimes intentionally developed dependent or let me use this more the, the more accurate word is lazy okay they have developed lazy christians by making critical thinking appear demonic and the lack of faith in our bid to create loyal followers and faithful christians we have rather consciously and unconsciously promoted laziness ignorance and blind faith the bible teaches in first john saying beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirit to see whether they are from god for many false prophets have gone out into the world in asking that all spirits be tested to know which is from god the bible is calling for its own content to be tested too this is one of the many reasons why i have confidence in the bible that the bible has been able to stand the test of time against great great philosophers sorry making foolishness of their wisdom let me get back to the subject matter before i deviate further 
Now, theology helps the Christian to understand the Bible better within its diverse socio-cultural context. A Christian world armed with the knowledge and understanding of the Bible and his or her faith cannot be tossed to and fro by any wind of doctrine and vain philosophy. Just so you know, as part of the aim to push for same-sex rights all over the world, the LGBTQI community has developed what they call queer theology or gay theology. If you are as curious as I am, you may want to get your hands on one and get familiar with the content. You'll be amazed at their intelligence. While we use violent resistance and hateful expressions against them, they are using structured systems to carry out their goals. How can tomorrow's Christian evangelize the learned LGBTQI plus person without biblical apologetics? We must consider a marriage between theology and the ministry of the church in order to develop faithful and learned Christians who understand their faith and can make a defense when the need arises. Secularism is growing. Millennials and Generation Zs are beginning to question things. It seems more like we are entering into another enlightenment period. Are we ready to defend the faith? Can you confidently say that you can engage in an evangelistic discourse with an unbeliever to teach about who God is and establish how Christianity offers a comprehensive worldview and must be preferred? Do you even know what the Christian worldview is? For the sake of time, I will not want to go beyond four points. So I will end on my fourth consideration. That is, theology can help the church to be more effective in the execution of its social functions. Now, to be effective as a social institution, the church must be armed with a good understanding of the culture, traditions, values, norms, and philosophical thoughts of the people as a nation. A good understanding of these things will help the church to be influential as well as play a foundational role in giving direction to the destiny of the nation as a whole. Okay? The power of the religious institution in any given society cannot be underestimated. It is not a matter of coincidence that a great majority of the world's population is religious and therefore view the world from socio-religious lenses. In the context of Africa, Africans are inherently religious. Jacob Olupona, who is a professor of indigenous African religions at Harvard Divinity School and professor of African and African-American studies in Harvard's Faculty of Arts and Sciences, he affirms this thought by saying that African spirituality simply acknowledges that beliefs and practices touch on and inform every facet of human life, and therefore African religion cannot be separated from the everyday or mundane. This means to a great extent that the religious institution has the power to influence the entire social structure of any given society. Through the study of theology, the church is able to understand her social and cultural environment. Beyond this, the church can play a vital role in developing the democracy of the nation. Yes, you're asking how. If religion okay, can affect the, psych- the, the philosophy of a people, and people think within religious lenses, then imagine the power that religion has. That is why in the, in the, if you study church history, you realize that the Romans, certain Roman governments, okay, they were fighting against the Christians. Now, as well as developing patriotic and responsible citizens, okay, the church can also influence the economy of a nation, especially where Christian adherents are the majority. As a social institution, 
the church has the power to sustain the family and marriage institution through discipleship. Indeed, the church is the wisdom of God to the nations, the light and salt of the earth. I hope you see how theology can help achieve much. Like, theology will help us to be pragmatic and practical, but not at the expense of a spiritual living or a dependency on faith and the provisions of God. Theology can be a great tool for discipleship, evangelism, fellowship, and ministry. In a nutshell, theology, just as in the New Testament and the early centuries of the church history, can play a vital role in the life of a healthy church as pastors, teachers, and lay leaders. Theology will help us to teach and admonish with all wisdom, so as to present everyone God gives to us mature in Christ. As a body and authority of God upon the earth, theology is a weapon we can use to perform in effectiveness all of our God-given functions. This divorce between theology and the church is causing the church a lot of harm. Maybe it is time we sit down and develop ways by which um, we can marry theology to the church in a balance that will not compromise spirituality and promote carnality for the good of the church. Okay. Let me end here. Um, This brings us to a close of season one. Season two commences on Thursday, 10th June. And I have titled that one, Tithing is not the problem. Tithing is not the problem. That's going to be an interesting one. You don't want to miss it. If you have any questions in relation to this season, one, do want to send it via WhatsApp to 0242-769-461. I'll take it again, 0242-769-461. Send any question you may have, any suggestion of topic you may want me to discuss or talk on, speak on, just send it to this WhatsApp number and I will respond promptly. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to my podcast channels on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Jamit. And recently, I was approved on iTunes, so I'm on iTunes now. So if you're on Apple, sorry, iPhone, did I say Apple? If you're on iPhone, you want to check me out on iTunes and subscribe to my podcast. To find me, simply type Solomon's Beyond Religion and subscribe to my channel. My name is Solomon Parite, and this is Beyond Religion. From faith to understanding. Until next Thursday. Did I say next Thursday? This Thursday. Sorry. I'm out. Have a blessed week. Bye-bye.